Help I Got a Mac, podcast episode number 58. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Help I Got a Mac. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And I'm Chris Fighting. And today we are going to be sharing with you all kinds of awesome Apple goodness. We're going to be talking about that thing that happened at Macworld. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah. (laughs) We'll be talking about the possibility of where Apple's going next in the conference realm, among answering many of your questions. Oh, yeah. So, Chris, welcome back to Help I Got a Mac. And uh, it feels good to be back in the chair here. We did not have a show, a live show last week, man. No, we did not. You uh, you were getting all uh, worked on. I was. I actually ended up in the hospital last weekend and ended up needing some emergency surgery, which they wanted to get to right away, but they overlooked a, possib- a major uh, <laughs> procedure that they told me I needed and forgot to schedule it. And uh, when I alerted them to, them to the issues, they had to reschedule me for a bunch of different things. Ended up being in the hospital nearly a week. And uh, here I am without uh, an appendix, without a gallbladder uh, <laughs> and having all kinds of other internal workings around happening. Uh, and, and just a few days after the hospital, here I am in the studio taking it easy, my friend. Not only were you not not only are you here today, but I saw you this weekend and you were out and about. So I was I was shocked and, and pleased to see you out and about. Well, it felt good. I, I, I wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to get off the painkillers and and all that stuff. And, uh, the doctor said that the sooner that I got up and got up and walked around the, the less chances there'd be of blood clots and all that other crazy, nasty stuff. So it didn't Gross. take, it didn't take me too long to get up off that couch and, <laughs> and start rocking and rolling again. But, uh, definitely been taking it easy, not working as many hours, uh, until I'm back to a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, but this is not help. I've got medical problems. <laughs> funny this is help i got a mac and uh, of course chris why don't you explain to the folks out there who maybe are tuning in for the very first time what is this show the show is a help show dedicated to, to people who have just recently purchased a mac or even are, are thinking about getting a mac you know switching over from the windows side or or even just getting a computer for the first time this podcast is here to kind of help you uh, get up to speed and, and and let you do things with your Mac other than you know playing solitaire or whatever you used your Windows machine for. No doubt. And of course, when it comes to using the Mac, the you know a lot of to be honest with you, these days switching over to a new operating system isn't all too difficult. However, however, the reason why this podcast really does exist. When I first got my Mac, I'm pretty computer savvy and technically literate and I know how to do certain things but I'll tell you I I really did want a big take this big hunk of white plastic thing called a uh, a MacBook and I wanted to throw it up against the wall uh, mm-hmm. the, the control C didn't you know didn't do my copy anymore control V didn't do my paste and they wanted me to use this funky looking command key and man it, it took forever to figure out why in the world on my laptop MacBook uh, the delete button isn't a delete button after all. It's actually uh, a backspace button, and you have to hit a function key to make it turn into a delete button. And it's, oh man, it was just crazy. Yeah. But here I am, and I, oh, just over a year now, I've been using a Mac computer, and uh, I think sometimes it's easy for me, Chris, 
to forget that transition period. You know, there was a two, two or three weeks, you know, where it was like that kind of, you know, you're dating a girl and things are going really exciting and stuff like that. And it's not until like, you know, three or four weeks later that you realize she's actually got a little pimple under her nose or something, you know, that <laughs> the honeymoon's over <laughs> the honeymoon's over the, the falling in love euphoric experience is over. It's over. And so we're here for you. We are. That, we're, that, we're, that's what this here. show is. When, when the shininess and the reality distortion field wear off, we're here to, to make you realize, oh my gosh, I, I didn't waste my money on a, on a Mac. When you see the pimples on your MacBook, give us a call. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So uh, one of the things we like to do, folks, is we like to talk a little bit about what's going on in the world of Apple. Uh, and then, of course, we, as far as the news is concerned, and then we'll get into some uh, user questions and feedback and things of that nature. So big, big news in the Mac or in the Apple world is this thing called Macworld. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, uh, Macworld, first off, is a magazine that comes out every month. Uh, it's produced by, I think it's IDG is the name of the company that, that produces both the magazine Macworld, which came out uh, in 1984, you know, right when Apple released the first Mac. And it, that spun off into a conference. And what it is, it's the Macworld Expo and Conference. So it's got a whole, you know, educational track where you can learn about, you know, all sorts of applications like, you know, high-end, like video editing and audio editing. But then it's also a place where a lot of Mac vendors come. And then the third big thing is that generally every year, Apple gave this huge keynote uh, by the CEO, Steve Jobs, and they would always un- unleash cool stuff. This is where the iPhone first made its debut, the G5, and, you know, all, or I'm sorry, not G5, the, the, the G4 iMac and the iMac, the original iMac, all that kind of stuff kind of came out during the keynotes in Macworld. And the big difference this year is that Steve didn't participate due to health reasons, and uh, this is Apple's last year participating in Macworld, so it's very interesting. Exactly, exactly. And so, and of course, um, at Macworld, having these keynote from Steve's and also known as Steve Notes, uh, those have been something that people had looked forward to each and every year. I know you're one of those people who almost couldn't sleep the night before. (laughs) No, man, it was like the night before Christmas. I actually actually got more excited about Macworld uh, keynotes than I would about Christmas. Because, you know, it's it's like when you're a little kid, you 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 have Christmas, you don't know what you're going to get. And, uh, you know, it's always exciting. And, you know, when you get a little older, it's kind of like, well, I need this. I need some socks and, you know, I need a shirt. And you kind of know what you're going to get with, with Macworld. It's the same way. You didn't know what, what you were going to get, but you knew on that Tuesday that some new stuff was going to come out, you know, some updates or some cool new software or cool new hardware that you're going to have to open up your wallet to and, and pay for. And uh, this year, eh, there wasn't any surprises. Yeah, nothing. In fact, well the, well, the big surprise was that a couple weeks ago, if not maybe even a month or more ago, they announced that Steve was not given the keynote. Yeah. And Phil Schiller, I guess, filled in. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what they what they did announce? I mean, it's, it's probably a bigger deal about what they didn't announce. Uh, but uh, th- tell us what they did announce and just a few sure. of the highlights. Yeah. First off, Phil Schiller is the vice president of, of marketing. So and he's a. Uh, He's got a cool haircut. Anyway, um, Steve uh, came on stage, and or I'm sorry, uh, Phil came on stage, and uh, you know he did it. First off, he did a he did a pretty good job. I watched the whole keynote, and I, I thought he did fine. He was very nervous at first, but then uh, then he got into a groove. But he introduced uh, really 
two big things. Well, three big things if you think about it. Uh, the first one they talked about was the brand new iLife 09. And iLife is a suite of software, kind of like Microsoft Office, but it's a suite of software for all the stuff that you like to do. It's, you know, iPhoto for your photos, iMovie to edit your home movies, GarageBand to create, um, you know, music and play guitar and piano and all that stuff, um, iWeb to create real simple web pages. And they came out with an update to all those. And I have to be honest, the updates seem pretty compelling. Really? So, so tell us, I mean, of course, you are a user of iPhoto. I've, I've never been a fan myself. Mm-hmm. But, but they came out with some things like geotagging, I guess. What, what, what possible use is there for geotagging? Geotagging, uh, a lot of some of the new higher-end cameras, and, and you know, it'll obviously uh, trickle down all the rest of them and, and cell phones and stuff. They have an ability to, 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 to use a GPS to tell your location. So if I take a bunch of pictures at, let's say, Grand Canyon, the data inside those photos know that that location was the Grand Canyon. So when I upload a ton of pictures, I can go back and say, with iPhoto, I can say, okay, all the pictures that were taken at the Grand Canyon, I want to put those in their own special section. I want to tag them with that location. And iPhoto will automatically go, okay, the coordinates according to this GPS is in the Grand Canyon. I'll go ahead and move these all over into its own section. And you can also associate a map with it. And as you know, iPhoto, you can make like photo books and stuff. And one of the new features with the geotagging is you can actually make a map and put your pictures around the map. So you can have like, you know, we went, if you went to a bunch of places out west, you could have a map with all the little points of interest and then photos next to each one of those points of interest. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I guess that's pretty interesting stuff. Um, the next is, big thing with iPhoto yeah, that was... Tell us what was the big stuff is. Face recognition. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so if you take a bunch of photos, you know, like let's say I take a bunch of photos of Cliff, uh, the first time it's going to say, you know, whose face is this? And I'm going to say it's Cliff's. Every time I take a photo or if I have old photos, iPhoto is going to go through all my pictures and say, hey, is this Cliff? And if I hit yes, it's going to tag him as Cliff and move it off to the side. Also, if I tag Cliff in, in my picture, let's say I have Cliff and myself and one other person that I don't know, but Cliff knows, and I tag Cliff and myself, and I upload that to Facebook because iPhoto comes with built-in Facebook and built-in Flickr recognition. With the Facebook stuff, I could automatically upload that to Facebook. It's going to automatically have those tags of Cliff and myself. And let's say Cliff goes in and sees the picture and goes, oh, that's uh, you know, Kylie Mac that's, that's next to us. If he tags her in that photo, Facebook will talk to iPhoto, and all of a sudden the photo in my iPhoto library will be tagged with her picture automatically too. That is very cool. I, and, and I love the fact that they're starting to integrate with Facebook. I wonder if you, when you upload your or download your photos from your camera, if you can automatically ship those out to to Facebook. I don't know if it's an automatic thing, but I'm sure it's definitely just one button press if it isn't. And, and I'm wondering, is, do you think like something like Facebook could be um, in, in competition with something like a Flickr? Yeah, that's probably why they support both. I yeah, I'm I'm wondering if if you know what the storage capacity and limits are on your photos on Facebook as compared to. That's true. With Flickr, you can buy a pro account and upload. I don't unlimited. know what unlimited. Yeah. yeah, I think I think with a free account, you're limited to the first two hundred. It'll save all your photos. It'll just only display the the last two hundred that you uploaded. Yeah, and the, and there's some limitations on the number of sets and stuff of that nature. But the resolution. But but yeah, the, the ability that, that that Facebook and I'm not sure if Flickr can do this or not. I, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it does. 
But the fact that someone else, like you, could tag that photo of that other person and it'll it'll supply that tag to me, I think is amazing. And Andrea in our chat room, which is one of the reasons why I love having a chat room, by the way. Andrea's in here and she says the only limit on Facebook is 60 pictures per set. So um, it doesn't appear from her, what she's saying here, that there's actually a limit on the number of sets that you have. So yeah. that, that could be pretty darn awesome. It and is cool. I, I don't use Flickr or Facebook a lot for pictures yet, but with this iPhoto, if, if, it's, if it's as easy enough as me pushing a button that says go ahead and send to Facebook or Flickr, I'm definitely going to start using this a lot more. Heck yeah, heck yeah. All right, so what else? I mean, iMovie, I know you don't use it a whole lot. Um, I know that I was interested in iMovie, but when they moved away from this quote-unquote uh, linear timeline kind of thing, I I just thought that they really made a bad decision there. I understand well, that I, they're I, now bringing in some kind of new feature where it gives you multiple option or multiple timelines for audio and stuff. Is that what I heard? Yeah, uh the old iMovie and, and Premiere and, and Final Cut are all timeline-based editors. Uh, the, the way the, the iMovie 08 worked was kind of like batch editing. You would, you would drag, your, you know, you, you would drag your, your, your cursor across a bunch of clips and it would scrub. And then you just grab what you want and throw it up into a bucket where they would all just go one right after another. And I really forced myself a few months ago to use iMovie 08. And I fell in love with this style of editing because I found it to be... You know, it, it cut my time and by you know half on editing. You know, quick and simple little things where I just need to like jump cuts. You know, just from one thing to another. And this new iMovie 08 still or 09 still has that kind of editing, but it also has uh, really really fine editing where I can zoom into a clip and really adjust the timing and adjust the audio separately if I need to. And there's also something called the action menu where I can go up to a clip. Click on the action menu, and there's all sorts of things like detach audio and edit fine and, and do all sorts of really, really cool special effects. One of the neat things that the new iMovie can do is uh, image stabilization. So if you have like a flip cam or you know, a handheld camera, you know that you know, if you're not on a tripod or on a steady cam rig, it's going to be very jumpy. What this will do is analyze all the pixels from that whole series of footage and smooth it out. And it kind of looks weird. It looks like it's kind of floating. But uh, according to Alex Lindsay, who's, who's seen this in action and stuff, it's really, really amazing the way this works. Well, I definitely would be interested in looking at it again. Uh, and one of the things that, of course, I've been playing with is I have that screen capture software called ScreenFlow. Mm-hmm. And it's got a very, I mean, it's not meant for, for video editing at all, but it is, it is a pure bare bones timeline driven any, I mean, you can drop a photo down on, on any, I mean, there are multi, I mean, I, I don't know if there's even a limit. I never hit a limit on the number of timelines, but you can drag and drop audio, uh, multiple layers of audio, multiple layers of video over top of each other. I was able to drop photos and stretch photos out for a certain period of time, which I started using Photoshop to create transparent lower thirds to drop over video or over uh, portions of video. I mean, I I really found ScreenFlow to be, you know, it's so bare bones, but, you know, you can jerry rig it to do whatever you want. And and I found myself falling in love with that program and and its simplicity. And and I'm just amazed that. That that um, iMovie is not more simplistic than what it is. Yeah, it, I mean, once you start 
once you start using it, you, there, there's a moment where you're really frustrated and you want to just you know put your fist through the display. And there's a moment where you get this moment of clarity and you're like, oh, oh, this is how it works. And it ends up you can edit movies super fast with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I've definitely got in and might, made myself learn how to use it. And it's not that I can't do it, but I tell you, I'm, I'm one of those. I, I like to be able to you know, have one video slowly fading into the other video by by cutting it in and, and being in complete control over the, the fade out and the fade in mm-hmm. versus their transition tools. And and I like to be able to, yeah, there, there's, there's a, I'm a control freak, I guess is what it is. <laughs> and I like to be in control of the details and, yeah. and they want to be in control of the details so I don't have to worry about it is, is really the, maybe what I don't want is maybe I don't want it to be simplistic. I want it to be a little bit more complicated. Right. Maybe that's a better way of stating it. <laughs> well, I, I think iMovie's going to be able to, it can be as complicated as you want it to be, which is pretty sweet. All right. So uh, what else? Any, anything else that exciting at, at this Macworld keynote? Uh, any other releases uh, in the iLife series? Uh, GarageBand now offers lessons built in. Uh, they come with a, some basic lessons, but let's say you want to learn, you know, Roxanne from from uh, the police, right? You can go into this uh, training like app store kind of thing in in GarageBand and go, you know what? I want to I want Sting to teach me Roxanne. So for four ninety nine, you you can buy the lesson and it comes with the song and you can drop tracks out and solo things so you can just learn that part. And Sting will also tell you about the, you know the song and and plus it has like the full sheet music and tablature and things like that so you can learn the song and you can speed it up and slow it down. I think this is a really really cool thing and a really neat revenue stream for Apple. Very nifty. All right. So anything else? I mean, iLife got a little bit of a bump there. Any, anything else? Got any new updates? Uh, iWork got an update. Uh, Keynote, uh, now you can control your Keynote presentations with your iPhone with a 99-cent app, which is okay. pretty cool. Um, the, the other big announcement, I, I would say iWork is, you know, whatever. It's not a big deal. The other big announcement is that uh, the iTunes Music Store is going DRM-free. Yes, I heard about that. In fact, I have there's a conversation happening in our forum if you want to jump to it real quick there, it's in our show notes. Uh, for those of you listening to this podcast, if you go to gspn.tv slash forum, uh, that is the community forum. And we have a section in there just for Help I Got a Mac. And if you go there, then you'll see ep- uh, show notes for episode number 58. And there are links to everything that we're discussing here tonight. Um, and I'm looking for iTunes is now DR- DRM free. Uh, and basically, they put a question mark, uh, and here's the discussion. And it looks like it was started by Stephen Cross. He says, as you may know, Apple is moving to DRM-free music, which is great. But, he said, I purchased Led Zeppelin's, Zeppelin's Mothership a year ago for $13.99. I can buy it today in iTunes for $13.99 DM-free under the iTunes Plus. To upgrade, however, my version of this 128 kilobits per second DRM version to the DRM free, no no digital rights media whatsoever uh, management at all, to to the 256k version, it says if I do that via the i the upgrade my library option, they want four dollars and twenty cents to do that. Mm-hmm. And of course, Winnie uh, chimed in. She says I like it for. 
Let's see. It's like uh, that for all the songs. They're charging 30% of the buying price to upgrade it, which is ridiculous. I have bought quite a few songs, and uh, my dad has bought songs such as that uh, with my account as well. I can't upgrade some songs. It's either all It's either all or nothing. I'd have to pay 34 euro to upgrade my library. Uh, John, a.k.a. Jay Portier, um, says uh, it would cost him $69.46. And uh, Wayne says nothing he's bought from iTunes is even worthy of upgrading. So, <laughs> Well, I, you know, my, to, to update my library, uh, you know what? I did it the other day and I can't remember how much it is. While, while I'm doing it, I'll, I'll finish my thought. I, you know what? It's not a big deal to me. Uh, the, the music was, uh, was fine when I bought it. I knew what I was getting into when I bought it. Uh, I don't go and you know get a CD, and when they come out with like the super CD version, I don't go to Best Buy and say, "Hey, I want to upgrade this for free." No, I have to buy it again. So I, I don't have a a dog in this fight on saying that I have to pay for upgrading. I've already got the music; it's going to work just fine the way I want it. Going forward, yeah, I'm going to buy things DRM free, and that's awesome. And if I always wanted, you know, if I wanted to, I get the CD and get it DRM free. Or I can go to Amazon and get a DRM free. The fact is that, yeah, you're going to have to pay thirty cents, which really is Apple's cost of like when I have an album in the iTunes Music Store. About thirty cents or so is taken off the top for things like bandwidth. So the fact that you'd have to download larger files um, in your iTunes library, yeah, you're paying basically the bandwidth costs for Apple to, to give you the the higher bitrate songs. Mm, very interesting way of looking at it. That That's definitely one way to, to see that. Uh, now, for me, what I did is I took all of the... I, I decided to quit buying DRM music a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I created playlists, burned those to CDs, and then I re-imported all of that music into uh, by by ripping the songs again. Now, of course, you lose a little bit of the quality. I completely understood that. But at the time when I did it, I think I only had like maybe 60 at the most songs. And uh, this option wasn't available back then. And it, it took me one evening to do that. And and now I have them all as MP3 files that can be used on any media device, which is pretty cool. Yeah, right now as it stands, it looks like it's gonna. It would cost me one hundred and nine dollars and forty four cents to upgrade my library. See, that's a lot of money, though. It is, but you know what? They sound fine the way they are now. They play just fine. I've only got two Macs. Yeah, and I can put it on as many iPod, iPhones, you know, whatever that I want. Not a big deal to me that that you know sure. I, I don't need I don't need to spend thirty cents to upgrade. Uh, you know, a Britney Spears song. So from this, let me just make sure I get this correct. So if I was to buy any song in iTunes mm-hmm. from this, from today forward, it's DRM free. Uh, no, right now it's 8 million songs. The The other 2 million, I guess they're finalizing the negotiations and stuff for those will be available. I think by the end of the quarter. So right now I would say, you know, 80 to 90% of the songs are DRM free. And I'm just kind of going through here just, just for the heck of it, just for the heck of it to see, and they all so far everything I've gotten was is iTunes Plus. Now the the prices are, are going to become variable. Individual tracks are not going to be just ninety nine cents anymore. They're going to be three different tiers. They're going to be sixty nine cents for things that aren't like the, on the Billboard uh, top one hundred older songs, things like that. A lot of stuff that I'd probably buy is going to be sixty nine cents. Uh, ninety nine cents for newer stuff that's still probably not on a Billboard top two hundred. 
uh, and a, I think it's a dollar twenty nine for like brand new releases and stuff, which which makes sense. I mean, you know, still if you want to get it cheaper, probably go to Amazon and get it cheaper. Yeah, and of course you can buy anything at Amazon and then bring it right over into your iTunes. Oh sure, absolutely. Alrighty, so very cool. Um, anything else announced at Mac at MacWorld that that's interesting at all? Uh, am I missing something? No, I was, <laughs> I, I was just wondering. I don't, I, I don't think so. I think uh, no. I think that that was pretty much it as far as as far as MacWorld's concerned. Very cool. Well, one of the things that I was looking at, I, I was just checking out some of the blogs out there, and I saw an article that says Apple plans to start attending uh, CES in 2010. Mm-hmm. No. CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. That's correct. And of course, uh, you may have heard me talk recently in the past about the fact that I was going to CES for 2009 and covering that for Panasonic. And uh, as a result of my being in the hospital, I completely missed that opp- opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, it was a total bummer. But I'll tell you what, Adam, Adam, normally Macworld trumps CES as far as like cool announcements and impressed. But I'll tell you what, this past year, I think CES crushed Macworld. I think so too. I think yeah. so, too. Well, Apple Insider says on the heels of announcing its plans to bail on the Macworld Expo next year, Apple will be instead attending the more generic Consumer Electronics Show in 2010, according to sources familiar with the matter. Yeah, typ- typically uh, CES is Microsoft's big show. Uh, Bill Gates used to do the keynote. Now it's done by Steve Ballmer. I actually watched the Microsoft keynote. And... Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, meh. You know, I mean, it, it, there wasn't a. It, there was a lot of. The, to me, there was a lot of Microsoft trying really, really hard to look cool, mm-hmm. and which kind of came off as lame. Right. But um, were, I just want to kind of go into this uh, off track a little bit. Uh, to me, the big winner at CES was Palm. I okay. really think this brand new Palm Pre is going to give the iPhone a run for its money, especially people who don't want to go to AT and T. Now they can go to Sprint and get this super awesome phone whenever it comes out this year. So you think so? Palm Pre. I, I didn't actually see that yet, so I'll be interested it's, to to see the details. It's amazing. I've always been a Palm fan. They, they've always been kind of like the scrappy underdog. Yep. And now now they've just kind of thrown the hammer down and said, you know, we're we're coming for everybody, which is pretty cool. Very awesome. Because, I'm glad to see you know, that. This this might light a fire a fire under Apple to get us cut and paste or something. <laughs> yeah, you think? Well, what the, the the cool thing about Palm is John Rubenstein, who was really the father of the iPod. And you, we really have to thank him. And he came with, uh, he came from from Next, where Steve was working. You know, when Apple bought Next, uh, John Rubenstein came with him. John Rubenstein left Apple back in 2006 and took a year off, and then went to work for Palm, and is now head of their research and development. So he's got a, he's got, he's injecting Apple DNA into Palm. And from what I've heard, a lot of ex iPhone employees are now working at Palm with John on this on this new Palm Pre. Very cool. I'm I'm excited to hear about something like that. Yeah, so competition is a good thing. Absolutely. There's no no question about that. Next up, I have another news story. We've been talking about tethering and and whether or not um, you know, the, having an application an official sanctioned AT&T sanctioned uh, application for us to tether the bandwidth that we have accessible to us from our iPhones with our computers. Uh, you know, what would something like that cost and how much would we be willing to pay and all this other stuff? Well, yeah. um, MacBlogs.com, and I'm sure other people people are probably reporting on this as well. But anyway, it says iPhone tethering. It says AT&T may shock us all and charge $10. It says AT&T may shock and surprise most of us as well as their competitors and charge much less than initially expected for an iPhone tethering plan. 
Additionally, sources report that there is much buzz surrounding iPhone tethering internally at AT&T. Now, let me tell you something, Chris. Ten bucks, I'm tethering. I'll pay for a sanctioned tethering um, setup. Yeah, I'm not. I'm still not going to do it. <laughs> I, I bet you will, because you, no. you now you I, have a 3G oh. man. Yeah, but I jailbroke my phone and I can get it for free. Oh, okay. I thought it was still money for the jailbroken, and and not to mention the fact that it's clanky. Uh, the I I have I have the net share, and I'll tell you, it's a pain in the butt to tether my phone. Yeah, see, I, I'm I not. Mean, in any I can do it. Situations where I have my laptop and I have my iPhone out somewhere, like when we were out this weekend, I didn't have a laptop with me. I had my iPhone, and it did everything I needed it to do. Right. And honestly, if I if I if I find myself in that situation where I need where I need a laptop kind of thing, I'm going to get a netbook. Yeah. Well, see, that I, I went down to my parents' place down in. Um, Oh, first of all, before we go further, uh, Kylie Max in the chat room and she says, what is tethering? And basically, you know, on our iPhones, we have the ability to access the Internet via, a, you know, the broadband uh, high speed, you know, fairly high speed access via 3G mm-hmm. and even the, the edge network, which is not I mean, it's 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 like dial up. Um, but still accessible. And so uh, what tethering means is it means that either whether it be wirelessly or with a wire, you connect your laptop computer to the iPhone in such a way that your laptop can then browse the internet using the internet access that you have on your iPhone. Mm -hmm. So that's what tethering is. Now, my parents have have, have a home down on a lake in Tennessee, and there is no, I mean, there is nowhere... That you're no way you're gonna get any kind of internet access out there. Maybe dial up and and that's about it. Well, the thing is, is uh, down at their place, I get a good solid edge connection, and I was able. Like I said, I do have the NetShare application I purchased when it was available. I am able to get it to work after about you know eight minutes of tinkering here and there, and and you know basically it 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 is it's just as good as a solid dial up connection and and i find myself using it down there and i could see myself possibly using it in other other places as well when there's you know when i am out and about and i'm doing a business meeting or something like that i want to show somebody let's just say maybe i go over to a client's house and i'm i'm over there to talk to them about some things but they don't have a, a, a an internet connection for me to to hop onto um well, th- with this, I'm, I would be able to just pull it up and use my 3G network and, and show them some things on my laptop, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. So for 10 bucks a month, it's worth it, I, I think. Okay. I've, I've, been seeing, I've been seeing a lot of uh, $40 a month plan stuff here. Uh, you know, mycricket.com slash broadband. You can check that out. Uh, they're offering it unlimited is what they said. But of course, it says, listen, we may cut you off if you ever hit more than five gigs per month. <laughs> so so anyway the, basically for $40 a month you you're allowed 5 gigs um of of yeah. of unlimited broadband access but but of course that's with the USB dongle and stuff like that but you know hey, for 10 bucks a month that's not bad Yeah exactly All right so anyway that's that um and of course that's still just a rumor folks so uh but but if it is that if it is that it would be cool now we had talked about Steve's health concerns in the past, um, and it and it turns out that there's an article that uh, Jeff Gentry posted in our forum uh, from MacRumors.com, which basically uh, Steve wrote a, a letter to the people in the Apple community. 
Yeah, basically saying that you know he didn't really want to talk about this, but you know with the with the rumors that he's on his deathbed and stuff, he had to come out and say something that yeah he is taking time. He took time away from MacWorld to spend the holiday with his family uh, for the first time you know in twelve years or so. And he is focused on his health. Uh, he's been having an uh, there was an enzyme imbalance that his body wasn't processing proteins, which makes sense if you don't if your body can't. This is going to be a help. I got uh, physiology. Um, if your body can't uh, properly use proteins, you're going to lose muscle mass and you're going to lose a lot of weight, and you're not going to be that healthy. So uh, he's he's found out that uh, he's got this problem, and he's he's gotten it taken care of and i guess he's gonna start putting on some weight so hopefully when uh when steve is out to announce the new mac touch plus whatever this year you know because he'll he'll make an appearance he'll i'm sure he'll look good and back to his old self i hope so for, I, I really do me too um at the same time I, i'm glad to see you know that phil schuller got in there and and held a a keynote. Obviously, they didn't ha- give him anything big to 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 really release. But at the same time, you know, it, 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 it's good to see that that Steve let go of the reins and and kind of let the company, you know, run itself for a little bit over mm-hmm. the, at least over the holidays. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, cool. yeah, it's cool. All right. So in the forum, we had some questions that popped up. Chrissy needed some help with a network printer issue that she had. Uh, she says, listen, um, I don't know if it's really a Mac issue or a Windows issue, but I may be just doing something wrong. I'm trying to set up my printer so I can print from my MacBook. Uh, the printer is connected to my file server, which is a Windows XP, and is shared. The printer works fine with other Windows machines, but they can uh, and they can all print to the shared printer fine. But I just can't get it working on the Mac. I downloaded the drivers from the Canon site. Uh, printer is a Canon MP610 for the Mac. Uh, then I added a printer and used these drivers. I can then open the printer queue status on the Mac, but if I try to print a test page or print something from my application, it just sits there saying printing. On the server, the print status says spooling. Uh, eventually, the Mac just errors and says it can't print. So is there anything special I need to do via the, a networked printer? Now, I want to say real quickly, when I first got my um macbook i had the same issues because i i do the same thing i have uh printers that are hooked up to my to my um uh xp machine and i just share them out but what i found is i used uh, a service called bonjour or whatever instead of trying to actually install the actual printer yeah and uh, Scott W says, sounds like it could be easily caused by a firewall on, on the XP machine blocking your Mac's attempt to reach it. It could be something else. I'm not a Mac expert, but I went through the sort of the thing when I got my MacBook at home uh, and with my and set it up with my XP machines. Uh, you could check your XP firewall. Sometimes I get the feeling you just have to turn the firewall off. Uh, good luck. And basically, Christy says, I got it working. The drivers from the Canon site were useless. I had to download Gutenprint drivers, mm-hmm. and now it's working fine. So Yeah, Gut- Gutenprint uh, used to be called uh, GIMP drivers, and it's the drivers that a lot of people used uh, in Unix. Since OS X is built off Unix, you can use the same kind of drivers. And uh, what's cool about those drivers is that people put on all sorts of cool things like, you know, uh, the ability to print wirelessly and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, when in doubt, uh, download a Gutenprint uh, 
pack, and generally if you have like a brand new printer or an older, it, this works kind of like in both ways. Either a brand new printer and the driver, there isn't like a specific Mac driver yet. Someone has written a Guten print driver for it most likely. Or a super old printer you know, that you got hanging off of a, another like an old Windows machine through a parallel port or something. Generally, Guten print drivers are going to be in there too. Very awesome. So Guten print helps solve the issue for Chrissy. And if anybody else is having that issue, uh, it's a great resource. Mm-hmm. All right, Doc Schwartz asked this question about formatting a USB hard drive for his um, for his uh, his Mac, and I don't know why. Whenever I hear USB hard drive, I think of thumb drives. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, he's been. He says I've been trying to figure out how to set up my new WD five hundred gigabyte MyBook home external drive to work with Time Machine, as evidenced by this thread on Apple discussion board. And he puts a link to it. Perhaps someone out there has any idea how to proceed. Now, what I did is I pretty much linked uh, to my own post, uh, which is the complete rundown and explanation of everything I did to format my exact, I have exactly the same drive as he does, does, except that mine's a one terabyte. Mm. And um, basically, it's like I include probably about 17 uh, maybe 20 steps of everything that I did and why I chose it. And of course I, I encourage anybody listening to go to these show notes and, and see these links. Um, <laughs> but definitely what you want to do is read the entire post instead of following it step by step. Because what I did is I, it's like, okay, this is what I did. This is what I did. This is what it's like. Oh, and this is why I'm changing what I'm doing, you know, <laughs> as, as I went through the process. And so basically I shared everything and when it's all when it's all said and done, I actually created three partitions uh, and uh, part and, and two of the partitions. One partitions 200 gigabytes, which has this Mac OS extended journaled format, and then mm-hmm. one's a 400 gig uh, partition, uh, and that's my Mac archive. So the 200 is for my time machine. The 400 gigs is just my Mac archive, which allows me to store like massively large video files. Uh, and then anything that's under four gigs and I, and I want to back up and I still want to use on my uh, XP machine, um, I have what's called the media drive, which is 331.5 gigs. And that's uh, formatted in MS-DOS FAT uh, file system. Yeah, now, and I noticed you put it in your post, but you, you may just want to say that, you know, if you do keep it in FAT32 or FAT format, there's, there is a file size limitation. So if you have big media files, yeah. uh, you know, they can't be over, I think, 4 gig or so. Yeah, that's exactly what I just said. You didn't okay. hear me? Uh, I kind of heard you. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the deal. Uh, the, the nice thing about doing MS-DOS FAT is that it, will, it, it can be read both by the Mac and by the PC. Yeah, now there, I think Google... I, th- I think Google has uh, on, on their site a piece of code that will allow uh, Macs to read and write to NTFS drives natively. Yeah. So, so you know, it may not hurt to do that, too, because NTFS does give you a little bit more flexibility, uh, you know, for file sizes and security and things like that. And if, if Mac can read and write those, because Mac can only read NTFS drives. It can't write to it out of the box. And, you know, you may want to check into that, too, to see if, if you want to get your Mac, you know, the ability to read and write those drives. Absolutely. So, um, like I said, the all, all the details, I mean, every single step of how I formatted my drive, why I chose to do the way that I did, 
Um, that's all spelled out completely in the forum. And, and I really did it that way because number one, I was getting some advice along the way. People were reading my updates, helping me, th- helping me through the process. But then I always wanted to make sure that if it ever came up on help, I got a Mac, I could always forward people to this one place where, where I did exactly what I was looking to do. And mm-hmm. so hopefully that'll be out there for you guys. All right. So Chris K has a little uh, something he wants to say about antivirus. Do you want to read that one real quick? Sure. He writes, I know, I know you're going to say I really don't need antivirus software on my Mac, but I always tend to err on the side of caution. So I have some. I really like this free antivirus program called ClamXAV or ClamAVAV. the scans Doesn't might that be... sound like a, a one of the sexually an STD. Yeah, it sounds like it's, it sounds nothing good. <laughs> but I'm sorry. That's okay. He says the scans might be slower than some of the commercially purchased antivirus software, but even when scanning and I'm doing other things, it does not slow down my computer. If it did, I would have deleted it from my Mac as soon as I noticed it. It also has a very nifty feature called Clam XAV Sentry, which you can set the monitor specific folders on your Mac. I also scan my computer, and now I have Sentry monitoring everything that goes into my downloads folder, which is a good idea. You can also set this to update the virus definitions at a certain time every day. If you're like me and like the idea of working with a safety net, just in case, I would suggest giving this a try. Go to Apple and type Clam XAV in the search bar, and you should see it. Uh, real quick side note about, about uh, Clam AV. Uh-huh. It's, it's open source, which is super awesome. Anybody can go in there and look at the code and, and make sure that you know, no one's doing anything nefarious in there. It's also... The virus software that Apple themselves use on their uh, OS X server for their mail program, uh, on the mail server on, on OS X, you can have it to automatically scan incoming files, and it uses Clam uh, AV for that. So I, I don't think a, you know, that's any better stamp of approval than if Apple themselves are using it on their servers. Gotcha. So possibly just a rename is in order, um, so that doesn't <laughs> sound like a sexually transi- transmitted disease, because as I said that, um, Kylie Mack says, yes, it does. Cliff, I was just thinking the same thing. Uh, I think, I think they may want to change the name of their software, but, uh, other than that, thanks, uh, Chris for sharing, um, your paranoia with us. And I'm sure that there are several people from the windows community who are paranoid, but of course, then again, um, I don't do very much other than, uh, AVG antivirus, the free version to protect myself on the PC. And, and I really don't even see the need for that seeing as how, I use some pretty insane practices to to avoid uh, being infected on my even on my Windows machines. Yeah. So by the way, and by the way, folks out there, if 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 you get into Facebook and somebody says, "Hey, I can't believe they posted your picture on such and such site," don't click on it. Come on. Yeah, exactly. If they didn't post your picture anywhere. You 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 click on it, and if you got some bad Java running, you haven't updated your Java, then your software, then chances are you're going to get yourself a nasty virus. You'll end up typing in your username and password to see your picture, which of course is going to steal your Facebook information. And then they're going to turn around and post, use your user ID to post that same Mm -hmm. message on all of your friends walls. And so don't, don't fall for this stuff. I mean, this is, this is uh, common sense. Unfortunately, it's, it's not, I mean, too many people fall prey to this stuff. Yeah, and it's a lot of social engineering. So just just avoid those things. I agree. Don't ever click on a pop up that says you need to update to this. 
And exactly. <laughs> if you if you need to update to something and it pops up, you you I'll tell you what you do is you close that window, however carefully you close it, and you go in and say, okay, let's let's go to Adobe Flash and and check to you know and check your software update there. Or if you need a Java update, then close close that window and go to go to the actual Java site and install the latest version. Don't ever click on a pop up. Yeah, yeah, go to the yeah, exactly. Go to the people who make the software. You know, a lot of times those updates are included in a in a Mac OS update, you know, when like a new point release comes out like a, you know, point 6 or point 7 or whatever. Yep. You know, a lot of those updates like Java and Flash and stuff are kind of are stuck in there too. So, very cool, man. Um we're rounding things out here. Uh just real quickly, we're not going to go through all of this, but it, this is also going to be linked in the show notes for episode uh, what are we talking on 58 here? Uh, basically, I found a uh, I found this on dig.com to from techradar.com. Uh, it's quick fixes for the 10 most common Mac problems. And uh, let's in, instead of talking about um, every one of them, let's just go through real quickly. The first one is force quitting an application that's not responding. Uh, we've talked about that several times in the past, and if anybody has questions about that, you can always call us. We always are willing to recover the same stuff we've always covered. Uh, f- feel free to call us. Um, and let's see, fixing software update errors. Now, have you ever had this? Because I've I've been uh, seeing this a lot lately. It says, uh, if the software update application, which can be found in system preferences on your Mac, is presented in any kind of error, it could be that you need to repair. Oh, I haven't repaired permissions in a long time. Doesn't hurt. I I have a lot of independent third-party software mm-hmm. that I've purchased, and I've went to check for updates, and it's like, oh, there's an update, and I go to check, and it says, there's a problem. Please try again later. Yeah, sometimes permissions are screwed up on that application, so... Go to your applications folder. Go to your while we're all doing it. Go to your t- utilities folder. Go to your disk utility, and then go to click on your hard drive, yep. and go to first aid and click on repair disk permissions, and it'll do it. And it'll take several minutes, but it'll repair them, and you should be good to go. Yeah, and uh, and gosh, it's been a long time since we've brought that up here, uh, but that's something you should probably be doing about once every other month, just in case. Yeah, just yeah. keep yourself from having those little beach balls bounce around. Exactly. All right, and then Chef Mark in the chat room says, uh, "Guys, I had my first actual crash on the Mac the other day. Oh it man, it does it happen. happens. <laughs> it happens. In fact, um, my Apple TV crashed on me about three or four times the the first two weeks that I had it. I had to actually do a hard, you know, hold down the power button until it shut down and restart it, kind of thing." Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if, if maybe software updates fixed it or if it's just the fact that I just left my cam twist running 24-7 uh, broadcasting the studio while I was upstairs sleeping. That's probably it. Some kind of buffer filled up or something, I'm sure. And yeah. Some memory address got stepped on and it took a puke. Yep, 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 yep. Anyway, opening number three is opening files in specific programs. Um, uh, number four is making some space and adding more RAM. Uh, number five is ejecting a disc that's stuck in your mouse, in, in your Mac. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, and, and the, of course, there are other things in here. Uh, let's see. Finding a file that's missing on your Mac, that can be difficult at times. Uh, resetting your admin password. Uh, detecting a second or external monitor. Getting back to, getting back your lost airport connection. 
and then fixes for viewing WMB files. So if you want answers to those specific questions, there's a little write-up at techradar.com. We have the link in the show notes for episode 58. And if you just want, if you're, if you're too lazy to, to go and read it, uh, that's totally cool. That's why we're here. Uh, you can ask any of those types of questions for Help I Got a Mac. And Chris, what email address should they email that into? They should email it. See, you caught me there with, ah. my, with, my, with my mind on another window there. It's it's kind of like feedback, Chris. Feedback at gspn.tv. There we go. Feedback at gspn.tv. Of course, you caught me, you caught me multitasking. No doubt. And then, of course, uh, the other thing is, is that we have this forum over at gspn.tv slash forum. If you're not registered, get registered today. Uh, you, chances are you'll ask a Mac question in the help. I got a Mac section and it will be answered before we can even answer it here in their show. And, uh, we have an awesome community that is out here for you and, and wants to uh, participate with you. And of course, then, uh, let's see here. The other thing, oh, and they can call in area code. It's voicemail lines open 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. You just go straight into voicemail. Phone's not going to ring at 3 o'clock in the morning here. Don't even worry about it. Just call us, area code 859-795-4067. And then I found that, and um, Jeff Gentry emailed me right before the show started. He says, hey, I found this the other day. It's a great program that checks all your applications, widgets, etc., and finds updates and installs them. It's called AppFresh, and you can find it at metaquark.de slash AppFresh. And, of course, we have that link in the show notes as well. Sweet. Have you used AppFresh? Uh, for like a minute. And not too I, impressive to you? I got bored with it. Okay. <laughs> it happens a lot. You know, and the thing is, is all these applications have their own update, you know, check for update. Many of them will check for update as soon as you launch it again, So, which I, I really like it when it does that. Yeah. As long as, does that. as long as they give you the op- opportunity to skip it, you know, it's like, yeah, let's, exactly, let's, not, let's exactly. not do this today because I want to go and use this program now. Right. All right, folks, that's what we have. Uh, of course, we do have one announcement, don't we, Chris? Yes. Uh, we're, we're changing the format of releasing our shows. Um, and this is going to be across all of gspn.tv in 2009. Um Pretty much a majority of all of our non-sponsored content uh, is going to start. Um, more and more of our content is going to be available only to GSPN.TV Plus members. And uh, Help I Got a Mac is one of the shows that is definitely slated for that. And how it's going to work out is basically we'll continue to release one episode per month of Help I Got a Mac for free here on the free feeds. However, uh, the rest of the shows throughout the month, uh, and we, of course, do record these live weekly in front of an Internet audience, um, they'll be released to the Plus members only. And uh, we're just trying to give extra benefits to those who are paying to make sure that this this program actually continues to exist into the future. And uh, the data from the 206 people who are now paying uh, the $10 per month for all the gspn.tv content, uh, basically, the, the data just is absolutely clear that that the fact that they get more content that wouldn't have been available otherwise is the it's actually the it's either the second, if not tied for the third reason why people become plus members. And sweet. The one thing I do want to mention about plus membership real quickly is that um, it's not just about 
a bunch of podcasts here and it is so much more. It is it is basically all about the community and uh, but it but it is very much about the podcast as well. And we encourage you to learn more about gspn.tv plus membership. All you have to do is go to gspn.tv slash plus and over there you're going to be able to um right now there i think there are about 15 16 different to, uh, testimonials from people who are plus members from all over the world and uh they'll share with you why they're plus members and and why they think it's a good value and I encourage you to check that out gspn.tv slash plus yes chris anything you're gonna do this evening just chill out watch tv but you- my shows are back on tonight so which shows are you watching um, How I Met Your Mother. Neil Patrick uh, Harris, right? Harris. Oh, man, it's so funny. Is it really? I, that's a show I hadn't gotten into. Is, are, what season are they in on that? Three or four. Oh, man, already? Yeah. Yeah, I've been good. hearing a lot of good stuff about that show. So it's a really funny one, huh? Oh, it's super funny. Very cool. What else? What's your other show that's on tonight? Uh, well, Heroes isn't back yet, so I don't know. I'm not taping 24. I know that. You're not? No, I can't get into that show. How's Boxy working for you? Working great, man. I need to update it, though. Very cool. Did you see Saturday <laughs> Night Live this weekend? I did. Neil Patrick Harris was on it. Yeah. That, well, that's what got me interested in possibly <laughs> checking out that show. He actually did a really good job. Yeah, you can watch, I think, all the episodes on CBS.com. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of Hulu. When I was in the hospital, I watched the entire first season of uh, Kitchen Nightmares, which definitely kept me entertained while nice. I was there. Yeah, I think you can watch uh, CBS through Boxy, and Boxy's open uh, now, so you can just download it and use it. Awesome, awesome. Well, Chris, we will be back next Monday evening, 7 p.m. here at gspn.tv slash live. And, uh, of course, we'll be out there pre-recorded and ready for download uh, soon afterward for everybody out there in the Plus Feeds. Until then, uh, we'll talk to you soon. See ya. Join the community.